0: Good evening and welcome to our midweek assembly. I'm going to be teaching tonight from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So if you would open a Bible there, 1 Thessalonians 5. We're glad that you could join us tonight and uh, glad that we can have this time to open up God's Word, think about some things from the Word, and uh, appreciate in whatever way you're accessing the program, uh, you taking the time and having the interest to to do that and to be here with us. And uh, I want to say to uh, our Fairview family uh, how much we miss each other and how much we miss you and I uh, wish we could all uh, be together in this moment, but uh, I'm glad that we can still study together and uh, join together in this way uh, through our uh, technology here. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16. The text says, and this is a, a simple, short, punchy little text. First Thessalonians five sixteen. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I want to focus our attention on verse 17 there, pray without ceasing. What does that mean and how do we do it? This is a very interesting time for us. We are living in a time where we have opportunities to do some real intense work on ourselves and to think about our families, think about our own spiritual lives. And in this time, my goal in preaching has been to push us to grow and to mature. And one of the most important parts of our spiritual maturity has to do with our prayer lives how much we pray, what we pray about, and what we do in response to prayers that we feel are unanswered or that the answer is no. We have a lot of questions about prayer, but my observation from my own experience, both personally and in talking with others, is that the real challenge about prayer is just remembering to do it. And very often it seems to me that most Christians have that challenge. That when we do pray, it's in that very formal way that we pray, when we pray publicly or it is in that very formulaic way we pray when we pray, for example, before a meal. So when Paul says, pray without ceasing, I think there is a natural tension for us where we know that Paul is after something that we're not really good at, but it just makes it feel as if Paul is even further distant from us. So what I want to do tonight is just answer the question, how do we do that? How do I pray without ceasing and what does that mean? There is also a tension here. Because the idea of pray without ceasing, if we take it literally, is a little too much for us. You know, that always we're praying at every moment, all the time. And I want us to think about what that phrase might mean and how it might be an opportunity for us to grow in how we pray to God. So the first thing I would say in answer to this question, how do I pray without ceasing, is that I develop a habit of prayer. So pray without ceasing means to pray with regularity, to keep praying all the time because that's our habit. That's what we regularly do. And Paul talks about that as a habit quite frequently with use of this word. When he uses the word without ceasing. It's actually just one word in the Greek. And that word without ceasing is used several times to talk about Paul's habit. So let's turn back a page to First Thessalonians 1. 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 2. He says, we give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers. And that word constantly is our word without ceasing. You may even have a footnote there in your Bible that says without ceasing. So he says, I'm constantly mentioning you. So does that mean if you were to listen to Paul's prayers that all he would be doing is saying the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians? No, he's not constantly mentioning them or mentioning them without ceasing. It means he regularly mentions them. He has a habit of talking about them when he talks to God. In chapter 2 and verse 13... He says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So he says we thank God constantly or without ceasing when we mention you. He's not being literal that we are always thanking God and we never do anything else. He is saying we are continually thanking God. He says this in 2 Timothy 1, 3, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. Now notice night and day means sometimes he stops praying because there have to be two prayers for one to be in the day and one to be in the night. But his point is when he says constantly, he's saying this is my habit. I'm remembering you when I pray. And then in Romans 1, he says, God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit and the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. I think you get the point. He tells the Ephesians and the Colossians, I don't cease praying for you. I don't cease giving thanks for you. So this word then, pray without ceasing, is one of Paul's favorites. It is not to be taken, literally, it is to be taken to mean a habit a regularity. So Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, you do what I always do. The same way I'm always thinking about you and I have a habit of mentioning you, you pray with that same regularity. You make a habit of praying. And that idea of a habit is something that we see in a lot of our our favorite Bible characters. Uh, Daniel sticks out. Remember, uh, the king of uh, Persia, Darius, makes a decree that no one can pray to anyone but him. And so it says Daniel went And he opened his windows toward Jerusalem and he prayed just like he always had done three times a day. Continued to pray even when it was illegal. Nehemiah, one of my favorite books. uh, Nehemiah's entire book is kind of like a prayer. He begins by praying in grief over the city of Jerusalem. He asks for God's help. You know, when I go in before the king, be with me. And even some of the statements in the book are prayers. Remember me, oh my God, for good is a prayer. He is just continually praying, because prayer is a part of his life. Prayer is a habit for him. But the most outstanding example of of prayer habits is Jesus, because we have a lot of records of Jesus getting up really early, but long before the sun comes up to go pray by himself, or sometimes he'll send the crowds away. In fact, one time he sends the disciples across the Sea of Galilee, and he has to walk across, because they've already left with a boat, because he had to be up on the mountain by himself praying. So, Jesus had a habit of prayer, and it was so impressive that the disciples asked him, can you teach us to pray like that? So a habit of prayer is what it means, at least in part, to pray without ceasing, to pray regularly. My question is, could people describe you as a person of prayer, a man or woman of prayer? the only way that could ever be true of us is if we develop a habit of prayer. So a habit means that we set aside a regular time. That may mean that we need to, like Jesus, get up before the demands of the day and set aside that time to be a prayerful people and to go to God. It may mean, if that's not your thing and you've decided that's not the best thing for me, that I have to carve out some time later in the day or that I need to say this is my, my time where I can be alone or concentrate in some focused way. But whenever you decide that you are ready to do that, what I am suggesting, and I believe what part of what Paul is saying is, is there needs to be a regular time when we pray. This needs to be a part of who we are, and the way we get to that is by making a habit. So I am not saying that uh, this is about the habit of praying before we eat. I I think praying before we eat is a good thing. Jesus does that, thanking God for our food. Uh, But that's not the kind of prayer that I think Paul is talking about. Uh, Just pray without ceasing for your food. Uh, Also, I am not suggesting that we're only praying when we have some certain specific thing that comes up, although we'll talk more about that in a minute. I I believe what part of this means when we talk about a prayer habit is that we are going to God and sharing the things on our heart and uh, taking God's things to him, thinking about God's things, having more of a general prayer than just a very specific need. And that is something that we're going to need to practice, and we're going to need to practice making a habit. So Jesus says, he teaches his disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread, which means that he at least expects us to pray daily, at least give us this day our daily bread. But I believe the expectation there is that we are going to be a prayerful people. We're going to have a habit of praying at least daily. So for myself, I find that morning times are the best time for prayer for me. And I find that it helps me. I don't know if this is going to help anybody, but I'll just say from my own experience, I like it best when I can pray out loud. Uh, if I am praying, I know that God can hear our thoughts and God knows what we're thinking, uh, but sometimes when only I, the only way I'm expressing my thoughts is through thinking, well, then that gets all mixed up. I start thinking about something else. My mind, I lose my train of thought. When I'm speaking, it helps me to focus. Uh, so you might say, well, morning's not good for me. I don't like talking out loud. That's fine. You do it your way. I am suggesting that if we're going to pray without ceasing, we at least need to have a regular prayer routine and a regular time for praying. So keep doing it and pray without ceasing. Let's make a habit of prayer. Second thing, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 5. The second thing I would say about how do I pray without ceasing is I pray in every circumstance. So I want you to look a little more broadly at this text with me in 1 Thessalonians 5. And I want you to notice how many things in this text are absolutes. I'll show you what we mean as what I mean as we go along. 1 Thessalonians five and verse fourteen. He says, "And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all." So when I say an absolute, I mean the word "all." There, so you've got different groups and you treat them in different ways, but everybody deserves your patience. Verse fifteen. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Notice all the absolutes there. He says, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. You see how broad it all is that when you have these absolutes, it, it sounds as if he's saying in any situation that you encounter, any person that you're dealing with, you act in a certain way. Verse 16, rejoice, rejoice. Always pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Yours might say, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So, the reason I draw attention to that is, for one, you can tell the tone of the passage in which this phrase, pray without ceasing, is found The tone is that this is a general guide for dealing with all kinds of situations. Everything that's going to come across your desk, these are the ways to deal with it. Things like gratitude, things like patience, things like uh, testing and abstaining from evil. Those are things that are going to apply in every situation. So the situation is going to dictate the precise reaction, but the principle is going to be lived out in very specific situations. So... In that context, when you say pray without ceasing, uh, one of the main ideas there is no matter what's going on in your life, keep praying. I pray in every circumstance. Let's go over to James chapter 5. James says something very similar uh, as he talks about different circumstances and how prayer is a solution to them. James chapter 5. I'm going to start reading here, James 5 and verse 13. James 5, 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore... Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man, a righteous person, has great power as it is working. So I want you to notice the different scenarios here. In verse 13, he says, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. So if I'm suffering, I need to pray about my suffering. But then... If someone else is sick, he says in verse 14, let them call for the elders of the church and they come and pray over him and anoint him with oil, which we're not going to talk about tonight. But the idea of prayer as a response to someone else's sickness, if you're in that situation, pray for someone. And then he he says, have confidence in the power of your prayers. Verse 15, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. If he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. And then verse 16, he talks about when someone else confesses their sins and they have a spiritual sickness, you pray for them in that situation. You be praying for their healing and God will hear you because the the prayer of a righteous person has great power. What James is doing here is saying, we need to think of prayer as a reflex. That whatever circumstance we're in, we naturally reflexively take it to God. And if someone is sick, we're going to take that to God. And if we're in trouble, we're going to take that to God. And if someone confesses sin to us, we're going to take that to God. It should be a a natural instinct for us to say, whatever situation I'm in, prayer is the answer. You see this tendency in the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalms is like a prayer book for every circumstance. Whatever mood you're in, there's a psalm for that. There's something there that's going to speak to that. Whatever you're dealing with, David has dealt with it more than likely, although sometimes not as specifically as we do. In fact, sometimes he experiences a lot more vivid things than we do. But usually what happens in the Psalms is David takes his request to God and he says, God, here's my situation. Here's how I'm feeling. Here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm worried about, and I need your help. And there are requests made, and then there is usually a section at the end of the psalm where David either says God has answered me or I'm going to trust and wait on God's answer. So what I take from the Psalms, by the way, we're going to be studying, gentlemen, in our uh, Thursday morning class in the morning uh, at 6 a.m., Psalm 61 to 65. We've been thinking a lot about the Psalms. But what I think the Psalms teach us is that prayer is always appropriate. There's never a time where God says, you know what, David, why are you bothering me with this? I don't want to hear about what, oh, what Saul did to you. I don't want to hear about all these people chasing you. David, you need to handle this yourself. It is instead the situation where God wants to know what's going on with us, and we need to pray in whatever circumstance we're in. There's another picture here that I want to show you that I don't know that we are, um, I don't know that we normally talk much about this picture, Uh, But it adds to the emphasis on prayer in every circumstance. So it's in a couple of places. I'll put them up here on the board. This is Ephesians 6, 18 to 19. He says, praying at all times in the spirit. Notice the at all times, meaning in all circumstances. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So he talks about keeping alert with perseverance and supplication for others. Alertness in prayer, being aware of what's going on and praying with an awareness of what's happening, especially with regard to what's going on with our brothers and sisters and how they're dealing with the troubles that they're having. He says something very similar in Colossians, which is sort of a parallel epistle. Colossians 4, 2, and 3 Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. So you have these two pictures, the idea of keeping alert and the idea of being watchful and being steadfast and praying at all times. You've got these ideas of alertness and watchfulness particularly. That adds another dimension because it means that we keep praying But we are aware that circumstances are going to change. We pray and we look around at a changing world. We pray aware of the fact that sometimes evil is going to gain a foothold here or there. There's going to be a problem here that has to be dealt with and that we need to take to God. There's going to be a success here that we need to glorify God for. But we are watchful in our prayers. We pray thoughtful of how we can grow in Christ. We pray thinking about our hearts and thinking about our families, thinking about our churches. We're thinking about our brothers and sisters in the advance of the gospel. We are watchful in our prayer, especially right now. I want you to think about the fact that we are in a circumstance that for most of us is unprecedented. This is an odd, strange circumstance. We have people who are suffering. Some are suffering physically, some are suffering financially. All of us have a little bit of burnout and a little bit of uh, just sort of the, the blues. We have a nation that is struggling, including leaders who are making unprecedented decisions who need us to talk to God on their behalf. There's a lot of fear. We are scrambling and trying to figure out what to do as a congregation. Our elders are making difficult decisions about what's best for our group. We're trying to stay in contact with one another, but there's a lot of tension and a lot of anxiety. These are things to pray for. Be watchful in prayer. Pray in all circumstances. Don't stop praying. Pray without ceasing. So we pray in this circumstance just like we would pray in any circumstance. And when this circumstance changes, we pray in the next circumstance. Because that's what people of prayer do. We keep praying. We pray without ceasing ceasing the third thing I would say about this how do I pray without ceasing is I don't give up on prayer the idea of pray without ceasing implies that we might cease and in my mind that begs a question the question is why would we be tempted to cease praying why would we give up on prayer And I actually think we have some good biblical answers to that because of some some admonitions that are given in Scripture. Let's go over to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18 describes Jesus' warning about giving up on prayer and how Jesus tries to encourage us not to give up on prayer. Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, beginning in verse 1, it says... Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So Luke specifies in verse 1 there that there is a point to the parable. He told this parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Pray without ceasing. But he doesn't tell us exactly why we would lose heart in prayer. That's what the story is about. So the story is about a widow who is nagging a judge to give her a ruling in her favor. And the judge is a scoundrel. So he really doesn't care about making things good for her. He doesn't care that she's a widow. He doesn't care that her cause is just. He's just a scoundrel. So the only thing that gets him to move is her persistence. He talks about in verse 5, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. That's one of those phrases that, uh, that resonates through the ages. I, I think she's going to wear me out if I don't finally just do what she says. And so then Jesus draws the connection to God. In verse 6, he says, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? He says, God will give you justice. God's not a scoundrel judge like that guy. So if you keep crying to him and your continual coming, your persistence is shown by your continuing to pray and ask God for the things that you need, then God will help you. So now you get a sense of the whole parable. And I think verse one makes sense now. The reason we would be tempted to lose heart is because we're gonna ask God for things that we know we need and that we know he can provide and get frustrated when he does not immediately act the way we want him to. It looks like God's not responding to our prayers. So God wants us to be persistent. And Jesus says specifically, I'm going to tell you a story just so you can remember how important it is to keep praying. So praying without ceasing means I don't give up on prayer just because God doesn't always respond the way I like, just because God doesn't always respond in the time frame I'm looking for, just because I can't think of a good reason why God is telling me no or telling me not yet. I think it is this exact meaning that is shown in the couple of times that I want to show you from the story of Samuel. Uh, Apologies to Brother Chrysler, who's teaching on Samuel. Uh, In fact, I think he's going to cover this passage on Sunday. But it's all right, I got to it first. But uh, the, the statement here is made about Samuel. Uh, as the people are terrified of the Philistines, 1 Samuel 7, 7 and 8, when the people of Israel heard of it, that the Philistines had gathered against them, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Don't cease crying out. So he says, the people are scared, and they say, don't quit praying for us. Don't stop. They choose prayer over the many other things they could be doing. In this moment, you know, they could be forming a nice battle plan. They could be, you know, reinforcing or fortifying their position. But they say, no, we're putting all our eggs in God's basket. We're relying on God. You don't stop praying. One of God's greatest complaints against the children of Israel is that they so often seek alliances with other nations instead of relying on him. And this idea of relying on God or seeking our own solutions is reflected in prayer. Do we keep asking God, or do we say, you know what, I'll take care of it. I got this, God. I'll find another way. You're not going to come through. I'm not sure about you. I'll go work on it. There's a statement made. Uh, by the way, the high school guys, are, uh, guys and gals are going to study about this with me tomorrow night. Uh, it's a story of Asa. Late in his life it says in the 39th year of his reign Asa was diseased in his feet and his disease became severe yet even in his disease he did not seek the Lord but sought help from physicians. you get that picture? It's not saying it's wrong to ask doctors to help us. It means that primarily Asa trusted men and their solutions over God's. And I strongly expect that that means that Asa didn't pray about it. Asa didn't talk to God and seek God about it. So what I'm getting at is that in these situations, prayer is a way of turning to God. But there are times when we struggle turning to God. We're not sure that he's going to help us. We think we may have to handle the problem ourselves. So pray without ceasing means we keep turning to God. Don't cease praying for us, Samuel. Don't quit. We need him. And the other time that this is used of Samuel is here in 2 Samuel. Uh, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 12, it says, and all the people said to Samuel, "Pray for your servants, talking about themselves, to the Lord your God, that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king." And then Samuel replies, "Moreover, as for me. Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the good and the right way." It's 1 Samuel 12:19 and 23. So the people repent of asking for a king. And Samuel says, I will not sin against God. Isn't that amazing? By ceasing to pray for you. I'm not going to stop praying. Pray without ceasing for people. He says, I'm not giving up on my prayers for you. And by not giving up on prayer, I'm not giving up on you. So this is a place where prayer is about serving others and helping others. And if we were to give up on prayer, then we would be resigning people to their fate. And that's something Samuel says he will not do. So please hear what this is saying. This is saying that people need our prayers. People need our prayers. This is a way that we bless other people by shining God's attention on them. This is the reason why spiritual giants like Paul ask for people to pray for them. Don't give up on prayer because there are still needs all around you. Still people who want and need you to go to God on their behalf. So as the children of God, we have a relationship with God. We have the ear of the king. And we can use that to bless other people. Don't quit praying for others. Don't give up on prayer. Pray without ceasing. That includes our family, that we keep asking God to help and to bless and to continue our work and his work and our families. That includes our friends, especially those that we're trying to influence toward Jesus. That includes the broader world that we look at and we would easily could say, I'm not going to worry about those people. Those people are in rebellion against God, but we can instead find ways and opportunities to pray for them, commit to bringing people and their problems before God, and then do it. Don't stop praying. Pray without ceasing. There is a blessing in that. Not only are we going to connect other people with God, but we're also going to find that it's going to change us because no longer are our prayers just about all the things we want. We begin to think of other people and we're prepared to serve them and help what we've been praying for to come to pass. I think sometimes about the situations where uh, some, some awful tragedy will happen and we will you know, not really know what physical thing we can do to help someone, but we will say something like, I'm praying for you. Or we'll say something like, you're in my thoughts and prayers. And what we are saying there is, Just because something has happened and maybe I don't know what to do doesn't mean I'm going to stop praying for you. That's the point. Don't cease praying. Don't give up on prayer. Pray without ceasing. So I encourage you, take some of these things and start to make prayer a more regular part of your life. Make a prayer habit. Plan it tonight. It's only 730 You've got time where you can do that tonight. You can plan it and you can commit to it and say, this is how I want my prayer life to change. Pray regardless of what's going on around you. In fact, pray about what's going on around you. Whatever it is, take it to God. Talk about it. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm experiencing. This is what I see. This is what I need. And don't give up on prayer. It's an incredible blessing for maturing us and connecting us with God, and it's also a way that we bless and serve other people. So let's have a word of prayer, and we'll be done for our study tonight. Our God and Father, we thank you so much that you are willing to hear us, that we can approach you with our concerns and our anxieties, that we can give you our devotion, we can tell you the things that are troubling us, And in all these things, Father, you're willing to hear us and you want to hear from us. Father, the the gulf between us, because of your greatness and our lowliness is so great, but you're willing to hear, and we see this as an incredible blessing. Help us, Father, to pray as we need to, because we need to seek your face and we need your blessings and your presence in our lives. Father, especially right now, there are so many things that are uncertain and unstable in our world. The things that we have relied on, many of them are shaken. Our economy is shaken. Our jobs are unstable. We don't have the things that we thought we had. And Father, in this time of uncertainty and difficulty... Help us to seek you. Help us to seek the security that we find from knowing we belong to you and we're your children. That our eternal destiny is secure because of what you've done for us. That you want to work in us and change us. And that even this experience may be something that down the road we can see as a blessing for us. Father, I pray that you will help us as a local church to remain strong and faithful, to remain connected, to show our love to one another. I pray that you will help us as our leaders make decisions for us, that you'll give them wisdom, that you'll give us a heart to follow and to submit. Father, I pray for us as families. I pray for those who have young children, that we'll have the words to teach our kids about how to process these events and that we can bring them to your throne and show them the glory that that we see in you and that you've revealed to us through your son. Father, we thank you so much for your word that is a guide to us and steadies us. Father, we thank you for one another, for the strength and encouragement we gain from each other. We pray, Father, that you'll continue to be with us and help us to become a people of prayer. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.